What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track, formerly known as Pave the Way Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and on this show, you are gonna learn exactly how to be successful as a real estate investor. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you've done dozens and dozens of deals. This is a podcast you're gonna be able to listen to that's gonna give you actionable, specific advice on how to be successful within real estate investing. I'm gonna interview top-notch real estate investors each and every week, and there's also gonna be some content that is just gonna be me telling you exactly about my journey and how I've went from a broke kid starting out to a million-dollar real estate investor. So if you wanna learn how to be successful investing in real estate, this is the show to listen to, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at a high level. What's up, everyone? Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and I got a great interview today with a good friend of mine, Brad Chandler. We are going to talk about how he literally changed his life. This is going to be a super powerful episode. Uh, I really enjoyed spending the time with Brad recording the show, and I got a lot out of it myself. So uh, if you get value from this episode sp specifically, if you can share this with other people, it would really mean a lot to me, as well as if you can share this on social media I'd love to get, you know, just thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to hear this episode in the upcoming uh, few weeks, you know, start the year off, start the year off great. So I'm really, really excited to play this interview with Brad. It's so, it's so power, powerful and exciting and he's got a great story and we're going to talk a little bit about real estate and we're going to talk a lot about mindset. So uh, put your seatbelt on for this one. Literally, if you're in the car, obviously, hope you have it on. <laughs> and uh, if you're not, you know, buckle down, stay focused, try to bring a pen and paper if you can. And uh, before we get into the interview, if you are not familiar with me, my name is Greg Helbeck, and my goal every week is to bring valuable conversations to my listeners. So like I said, if you do get value, if you can share this with other people and share it on social media, that's how we keep growing the show. A uh, quick cu couple quick housekeeping things. If you're interested in getting coached by me, uh, I've been opening up some coaching, especially now in the new year. I want to really help a lot more people. Uh, so head over to bookacallwithgreg.com. Once again, that's bookacallwithgreg.com. When you get over there, you'll be able to book a time with me on a Calendly link where we'll simply just get on the phone for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'll, uh, you know, answer any questions you might have, you know, about your business and give you some free advice. Uh, I'm not going to hard sell you. Uh, if you think coaching is a fit, I could talk to, talk to you about how it would work. Uh, if it's not a fit, no problem, but I guarantee you, you will get value from that 15 minute call. So if that is something you're even considering, head over to bookacallwithgreg.com. And then lastly, if you're interested in really learning how to do direct mail in a systematic way, I mean, I've been mailing for years, I've made a lot of mistakes, and I've also made a lot of money doing mail. I've put together an amazing training for you. So head over to directmailclass.com and you'll be able to download uh, the beginning of that training, which is really my uh, top uh, direct mail mistakes, my fatal direct mail mistakes. So you can get it absolutely for free. So head over to directmailclass.com download my direct mail mistakes guide. It'll really help you. And, uh, you know, if you want to do direct mail, that is definitely the resource to check out. So once again, it's directmailclass.com for the mail training, book a call with greg.com for the coaching. Hope you have a great day and enjoy my podcast with Brad. Brad Chandler, welcome back to the show, my man. It's been about four years since we last did one of these. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's an honor. So, if people haven't listened to your first episode, we'll have people go back and check that out. You were one of the first interviews on the show uh, back a long time ago, man. So a lot has changed since then. So uh, we will get right into that. So before we get into what we're going to talk about today, give everyone a little bit about who you are, where you're based out of, and you know what your real estate business looks like. And then we'll cover the, the important stuff after. 
Yeah. So I read a book on how to buy real estate with no money down. I was in ninth grade and figured I wanted to do real estate investing since then. Um, my neighbor, uh, an investor bought my neighbor's house in late 2002 in Vienna, Virginia. I went and talked to him. He's like, Hey, I buy a house at 30% below market, fix them up and resell them. So I spent eight long, I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And I just had a new child. So I was, my son was born. So I would come home from my job and put him to, I'd stay spend like six to eight with him, get him to bed. And then I'd start working from eight to 11 and eight months went by of nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And in July, I bought my first house in July, in August of 2003, I bought six houses. And then in October, I came home and told my wife at the time that I just quit and I was forming express home buyers. And she's like, Oh my God, we've got three kids, you know, a newborn. And then she had two kids. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it'll be fine. And then 4,000 houses later, 19 <laughs> years later, it's it's been fine, right? Um, so my team is, uh, I got about 15 full-time people, and I've got about another 12 or 13 full-time virtual assistants in the Philippines. We're based out of Springfield, Virginia. Uh, we're going to do 300 deals this year, uh, primarily in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, but we did just open Los Angeles. We had an employee move out there, a top employee, a really employee, and so we started spending some marketing, and we've, got, we've done a couple of really nice deals out there. Um, I've got the company running to a point where I only spend about two or three hours a week now. That is amazing, dude. Uh, wow. So let me just unpack some of that. So you started buying houses, you know, many, many years ago, 4,000 houses later, you've seen up markets, down markets. You've been through all the craziness in 2007, 2008. And now obviously you got the business at a point where it's systematized, where it's basically, you know, running itself for the most part. So the two to three hours a week that you're spending on your business, because a lot of people want to get to that level, but they have a difficult time doing it. When you're actually working on or in the business at this point, what activities are you doing, if anything, or is it mostly just strategy and reviewing the numbers at this point? Because I mean, you got everyone doing the stuff. It's the latter mostly. I show up on Wednesdays. We have a we have a manager's meeting. We call it a scrum at nine thirty that lasts for about an hour, an hour and a half, where we go over all the numbers from the different departments, and then I have a one to one with an operations manager probably not even every week, maybe once every two weeks. And then yeah. I meet with, I meet with our CFO probably once a week or once every two weeks. And that's it. Just to review the numbers. Yep. That's amazing. That's awesome. Now, since we last spoke, I mean, you still have a very similar, you know, like infrastructure with your team. Now, are you, did you guys make, when COVID came to town, at least like this was a couple of years ago, did you guys stop going on in-person appointments and start doing everything over the phone? Or are you guys still kind of doing a hybrid of that? Uh, we were doing, we were doing, we were doing a hybrid um, and we're, we're, we're back to doing all, you know, if we can get in a house, we want to get in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I found that to be more effective, but at least with the way our business is, we're just doing it over the phone. We'll go on appointments if needed. You know, if it's like a local appointment and the sellers like, you know, wants to see us, but a lot of people shifted their businesses um, when COVID happened and they, they never went back. So a couple more things. And then I want to get into really what you've been working on over the last two years what have you been doing in this market shift? You know, the last six months, I mean, I remember I had a flip on the market in San Diego in May and it was right when the interest rates started going up and the realtor that listed it for me, I was like kind of getting nervous. He's like, eh, I think it's too early right now. I ended up selling it no problem. Like a month after that whole San Diego market just <clears throat> took a nosedive. And I was like, oh my God, I got so lucky on this. So what have you guys been doing to, uh, you know, shift with the market? So you mentioned earlier, I mean, we have lived through the greatest run-up in real estate history and the greatest downturn in real estate history. So we've already been through that. A lot of people in this business haven't been through that. Um, there's some similarities and some differences. So it's harder to sell houses, right? 
the buying That's power cool. of the average consumer, I think, you know, if someone could afford a $400,000 house now, they can afford a two hundred and sixty or $280,000 house. So it's dropped substantially, right? So what, what are we doing? Um, we're doing a number of things. Number one, we start staging again, which we hadn't done in a long, long time, spending the money on staging, putting furniture into the house. We're doing landscape packages outside. Uh, you know, back in 2008, 2010, my partner used to say, we don't need to sell a thousand houses. We just need to sell one house in one neighborhood. So let's make it the nicest house. So we were doing, you know, upgrading our renovations. Uh, so we're just making sure our renovations look really, really good. And then from an, analyzation st- an, an, an analysis standpoint, um, we're looking way more at the actives and the solds and people have been in the business since 2015. There's no reason to look at actives, right? When the market's going up, why are you going to look at an active? If you don't look at actives now, you're going to be out of business soon because you could look at a sold that sold two months ago, three months ago for $300,000 and go, that's my comp. You know, two years ago, you'd think it's, if it was 300, maybe it sells for 310. Well, so you find a comp nowadays, it sold for 300,060 days ago. You don't look at the actives and you notice that there's an active for 275 that's been on for 59 days. Your place isn't worth 300. It's not worth 275 either if it's been sitting there for 59 days. So what's it worth? I don't know. You get your guess is as good as mine, 240, 250, 260. I don't know. So we were underwriting back in the day. If it was going to sell for 300,000, we would take like 5% off just immediately. Now we're like, okay, it's going to sell for 285. So those are some things that people can do. Start staging, make your places look really nice. You better have curb appeal from the outside. You better not focus on sole comps because like I said, you'll be out of business. Um, we did broker incentives back in the day. We used to take bus full of brokers to you know the Redskins games. We would offer incentives to sell our places. We would offer incentives if they sold them quickly. So we're back to, we haven't, we haven't gone that far yet, but um, you know, we'll, we'll pull out anything we need to. Totally, man. Yeah. No, we, I've seen that too. Like people aren't looking at soul, especially in like these crazy markets like LA, San Diego, even the New York city suburbs. Like I'm only looking at actives and pendings right now at this point. Like that's all that really matters. If, if you don't look at that, like you said, you're going to certainly be out of business. Cause those comps, I have a friend real quick. He uh, flipped the deal in San Diego. He made $500,000 net, which was not normal. And he listed his property. This was a year ago for nine, nine, 99, like a million bucks, basically. He got an offer, no appraisal, like contingency for 1.3. Guy closed 21 days later. And is, this I a, like, is this our mutual friend? No, not him. Okay. Not him. Another guy. Uh, that was another good deal, too. I do know that one pretty well as well. Uh, it's like 10 minutes from my house. But yeah, my buddy Johnny did this one for 1.3. And I remember I was like, actually, I had a baseball game with him. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. You had a great year. But I knew at that point, I'm like, I knew the neighborhood. I'm like, there's no way this is going to last. Like, this is a normal three-bed, two-bath house, maybe 1,200 square feet, selling for 1.3. 1,000 a foot, not going to work in that neighborhood. And I'm certainly right. That thing is probably worth, at this point, if that were to go on the market, probably 875. <laughs> oh, my. From 1.3 to 875. I mean, in this neighborhood now, that's like I had a wholesale deal with our mutual friend. We got together. And we couldn't wholesale a similar property in the same zip code, dude, for in the sevens. We couldn't oh wholesale it. Gosh. And we were like, we had a contingency. We got out of the contract, but it was in the same neighborhood. And I'm like, anyway, it was crazy. But the market has shifted. Definitely focused sounds on like short, short, Sounds like short sales is going to be coming back. <laughs> yeah. Or sub twos, you know, taking that uh-huh. thing over sub two. But 
anyway, yeah, the takeaway for the listeners is make sure the actives and, 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 you know, stay on top of the market and be really conservative with your numbers. But anyway, Brad, I mean, on, on that, on that, on that note though, uh, Greg, do you, would you want to take over a, a property that has a mortgage on it for a million one or a million two that was worth eight fifty? <laughs> probably not. Probably. No. And, and I've had this discussion with people and they're like, well, who cares as long as it cash flows. And I'm like, why, why do you want to control an asset that's, that's, 25% less than the value. Like you're, you're overpaying it for 20. Yeah. And then what happens when, when the, when, because rental demand has already started to crash when these people stop paying and you're going to have a hundred sub twos, how are you going to pay that? Do you, do you have an escrow? Oh no, escrow account. What's that? You know, <laughs> it, it, everything sounds great when things are going up, but when the shit hits the fan, nothing, it, it, it doesn't sound so great anymore. Totally. Especially with a property like that. Well, with a crazy value, like, I've not been a big sub two guy ever. I mean, that's not my wheelhouse. I mean, I certainly know how to do them, but it still has to fundamentally make sense as a good real estate investment. Like you said, like it's got to have at least break even equity or maybe a little bit of equity. And it has to actually make real cash flow. I've learned the hard way by being a landlord. 500 bucks a month is not really cash flow. It's really like 150 after you account for all the CapEx and management fees and stuff. So yeah, people are drinking the sub two Kool-Aid and they just think they're going to go out in there. And by the way, on another note with that, I don't know about you, Brad. You've bought more houses than me. Uh, sub two deals are not easy to get from sellers. I mean, you got to get someone who is really in a jam to do a sub two deal. Uh, ask me how I know. Like they, they it is a tough sell because um, you're basically it, taking their debt over. Yeah, and then they might sell it to you, and then six months later, two years later, come back and be like, "You frauded me. I want to buy a house. I can, or I want to buy a car." Like, and then the whole story changes. Yeah, and then you're on the news. And then they're suing you and, and and anyone can sue anyone for anything. Believe me, I know what I know well. So, I mean, and then you've got, you got to defend yourself and yep, thousands yep. thousands of dollars and bad reputation. And you still got to make the mortgage payment because then the credit's going to get ruined. Yeah. yeah and then they'll like sue you for that too. <laughs> <laughs> then you really got to get yourself figured out. So, oh man. Anyway. Um, well, listen, Brad, you went through a big transformation over really the last, was it 24 months you've been yep. on the journey? Less so just tell everyone, months. tell everyone like, you know, how did it happen? And I know there was a story with your son. You were taking him to, I think, uh, a therapist or something like that. I'll have you tell the story. Uh, you say it better than I do. Yeah. So I, um, I got on a, a zoom call with a lady, uh, a mutual friend. I think, you know, him too, in the business had said, uh, he called me one day and he's like, how's life? I was like, life is amazing. I mean, it's so great, but my son has anxiety pretty bad. He's like, well, you got to talk to to my friends. They're, they're experts in helping people with that. So I got on a zoom call like this and, uh, Within like five minutes, she's like, do you realize you have a tick? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you blink profusely when you talk about your childhood. Anytime your child comes up, you start blinking. She goes, you probably have some unresolved childhood trauma. Would you like to come out and work with my ex-Navy SEAL husband and bring your son out for a weekend? And I'm like, of course, I'll do anything to help my son, right? So over the course of a weekend, and really it was just three hours that was really the, the life-changing event. Um, we went through this exercise where we went back to my childhood and looked at the stressful times and the trauma that I had endured. And we figured out the stories that I told myself, which are which was just my brain doing what it should have been. It came up with coping mechanisms to say, why am I in this situation? When, when a six-year-old, something bad happens to a six-year-old, Greg, what does that six-year-old say? I'm bad. This is the only reason it must be happening to me. And that's okay because that allows you to get through it, right? If you didn't yeah. have a reason, you'd be like, why is this happening to me? You're like your survival brain, you're giving yourself a reason to survive. At six years old, when you say it's bad, it's one thing. When you're 47 and your subconscious mind is still telling you that, you, uh, you, you do a lot of silly things with your behavior. So what did that cost me? It cost me two failed marriages 
I have kid. I have two kids with you know some some minor minor, minor behavioral problems. I smoked weed uh, for a couple of years on a daily basis. I drank, you know, to feel comfortable in social situations. Um, I made nine uh, five business mistakes that cost me nine million dollars. So anyway, through that weekend, my life so profoundly changed, and I found freedom and happiness through self love and self compassion by turning around those childhood untruths. Things changed so dramatically for me that I'm like, this is incredible. Like, this was so easy. Like, there's so much suffering and struggling in the world. Just look at look at the news. I mean, look at the reality. Oh, don't even get me started. Dude, with that. I, don't, I don't watch the news anymore. But yeah. the f- divorce rates, the first divorce rates, 50%. The second divorce rate, 60%. The third divorce rate, 72%. You've got obesity, like 60% obesity. You've got uh, medication for anti-anxiety and depression going through the roof, but you've got hospitalizations for those same things going through the roof. Drugs don't work. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Addictions or prisons are full. 99% of the reason for all of those things, the war it, the war going on in Ukraine, I can uh, everything comes down to an individual's lack of self-love and self-compassion. And why do they lack self-love and self-compassion? Because of the untruths that they told themselves from childhood, because of what their perfect, their imperfect parents and caregivers get to them. The truth is there's nothing wrong with you. You are enough. You always were enough and you will always be enough. And when you can understand that and get in your subconscious mind, so I've become a certified hyp- hypnotherapist now, when you can get into your subconscious mind and, and retrain it to, to say, hey, this isn't right. I've been living for 47 years in my case. I've been living a lie. And you can turn that and live in the truth. Your whole world changes. And that's what happened. And, and so now I'm like, I've got to give this gift to other people. This is why God put me here. Hey, what's going on? This is Greg Hellbeck here. And if you're listening to this, odds are you are a real estate investor. And a big question that I always get asked is, Greg, how do you get your deals? So I have the answer to that question. The main way that I get deals, and it's been this way for years, is through direct mail marketing. Now, direct mail marketing is certainly not easy, but if you have direct mail dialed in the right way, it is profitable month after month after month after month. So I'm actually going to give you a free guide, which is my top five direct mail mistakes. So if you want to check out my guide absolutely for free, Go to directmailclass.com, put in your name and email, and you will get my guide, which is my top five fatal direct mail mistakes. If you just use that guide alone, it will make you a much better direct mail marketer. So if you want to learn how to optimize and become very successful finding deals through direct mail marketing for your real estate investment company, go to directmailclass.com and get my free guide. Dude. That is amazing. And I can just tell with like your energy. I haven't seen you in person in a while, um, but just like you look different, you look like almost younger, you know, you've always looked relatively young, you know, but you look younger, you've got more energy to you. So I'm taking a guess that you quit the booze and you quit the weed. So I think in in three weeks, two or three weeks from now will be my two year, two year anniversary uh, of alcohol. I have I have played around, meaning like I can count on one hand the times I've had weed in those two years. And every time I've done it, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Because something I've re- recently learned, and I got I got like three, I told you earlier, 300, 360,000 views on social media, is that uh, REM sleep and sleep in general is really important to your health. And it's really important to cutting anxiety and to cleaning out toxins in your body and your memory, long, everything. There's so much importance. Well, I didn't know this. Shame on me. 
weed and alcohol don't allow you to get into REM sleep. So I would sleep for like eight to 10 hours when I was smoking weed at night saying, oh, I'm smoking weed because it helps me sleep. Oh, yeah, it helped me sleep. But I was I really wasn't sleeping. Now I can sleep like seven hours and wake up more refreshed than I did when I was sleeping eight to 10 hours. Man, that's amazing. It's, it's interesting you say that because I have some friends who will go unnamed that need to smoke weed a couple nights a week to go to bed. And I've always hated weed. Listen, I've certainly smoked weed before. I mean, most people have. But it's always given me anxiety and I've always like freaked out when I've done it. So now I'm like, no way. But some people, yeah, they think they need weed to sleep. I'm like, I, I don't know. I've never really bought that. But yeah, it's it makes me feel weird. Man. So so Greg, here's something that, that no one really knows, at least I didn't, is that chronic marijuana use is termed two times or more a week. When you chronically use marijuana two times a week for over 12 months, it does it, it does create anxiety. Sometimes it creates anxiety right away. So a lot of people smoke weed, including my son, for a long time saying, oh, it helps my anxiety. It helps me go to sleep at night. But it might help you go to sleep at night, but it it, it, it literally creates anxiety. Another thing I learned from this, you've probably heard of Andrew Huberman, the, the, the guy yeah. from Stanford. Dude, yes, what, what, yes, I mean, yes. that, that dude is effing amazing, right? I was listening to a podcast on the way home from my mom's from Christmas. You have a 25% likely more likelihood of, of having psychosis and schizophrenia if you are a regular marijuana user from the age of 18 to 24. How many people know that? How many people would be singing the praises? And you can get marijuana everywhere now. And, and because Crazy. it's legal, because it's legal, people think it's like it's safe. Well, alcohol is legal and it's not safe. But can you imagine how many people, how many 18 to 20 years are smoking? Do they realize that they have a 25% increased risk of, ha of having schizophrenia later in their life? Like, dude, that's crazy. That is crazy, man. And I, I could, I mean, now that you said that stat, I mean, I've just, I have some stories, man, where I, or I'll give you a quick example. This is, this is the real estate podcast, but we're gonna talk about smoking weed here. I remember one time, this is crazy. I smoked weed. I'll never forget this, dude. I, I was a major, major scary event. I was in Pennsylvania camping with my idiot friends and we smoked weed. I got so blazed, dude. I'm not kidding. I got so high. It was like a panic attack. I had like a panic attack. I'm in a tent in the middle of the woods. This is before iPhones. This is a long time ago. And I was freaking out. I was like, <gasps> I was like hyperventilating and they started screwing with me because they're like, oh, this guy's really high. Let's just mess with him. And I literally thought, Brad, I thought I was going to die. I'm like, I think this might be the end of my life. This is terrible. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I was afraid to walk out of the tent because a bear was going to eat me. And I woke up the next morning and I was luckily fine. And I was just thinking, I'm like, that was the most miserable experience ever from weed. I'm like, how can people do this every day? I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but no, it's always it given me anxiety, dude. Dude, uh, three days before 9-11, which was a long time ago, I yeah. decided to try hash brownies in Jamaica and I had a similar experience. Thank God my buddy told me not to have a second one because it takes a long time to kick in. I was like this close away from calling 911. It was horrible. It was absolutely yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah, man, it's terrible. So when 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 you quit the alcohol and the weed, because a lot of people listening might have issues with this. I mean, this is a common thing in America. Did you go... Did you go cold turkey or did you kind of wean yourself off of no, it? No, I, I, so the, the story behind the not drinking is I was on my boat in the Keys. Um, well, it would have been two, two years ago this coming January. And I'd been drinking for three days. We, we'd start drinking at, you know, noon, just drinking beers throughout the day. Never got like drunk. I, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, hardly ever get drunk in my adult age unless I was like playing in a golf tournament <laughs> because I was super nervous. That was, that was my old thing. I would get super drunk at these tournaments because I'd become so nervous because yeah. I was worried about what other people thought of me. Now I can go play in tournaments. I don't need anything. And I play great. So 
uh, I got off. Uh, it was it was a Sunday morning. I woke up. I had the worst effing heartburn, and I'm like, "This is crazy!" Like, I gotta take a break from drinking. So I stopped drinking, and I was like, "I'm gonna take a little bit of a break." And then I went to Brain Camp, which was another thing. Which I don't want to get into the logistics, but it's basically like you're without good gut health, without the good gut bacteria, your brain doesn't operate. It's called your second brain. Not many people know this. And alcohol is one of the things that kills it. So I went and I spent a fortune, brought my son there too. And they're like, well, if you start drinking again, you're going to kill your good gut bacteria and your neural health is going to be good. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait a little while. And then I started to do all the things that I did without alcohol. I was the guy who started drinking at 10 years old. I was a guy who would look at the person not drinking at a sporting event or a golf or a boating and be like, what's wrong with them? They have no idea how much fun they're missing. I started doing all these events with my new self. My new self is that I don't care what people think because now I love myself and I understand if someone judges me, it's them, it's not me. Mm. So now I can be a fool. I can sing, I can dance. And I started to go all these events and I'm like, wait, that was another lie I've told myself that everything's better with drinking and, and drugs. It's not. I took my daughter to a Ziggy Marley concert three months ago. It was the first reggae concert I've ever been where I wasn't super high or high, period. And I'm like, dude, this was, I danced the whole time. I was three rows from the front. I remember everything. I didn't have to Uber home. I was like, weed and alcohol numb your experiences and they and they they mess up the connection with other people. You can't really have a deeply connected. So anyway, uh, I didn't, I, I stopped cold turkey. And it's been the two two best years of my life, not just because I quit weed and alcohol, but I made that switch to I love myself because there's nothing wrong with me. It was my parents and it was their parents and their parents and their parents. So I'm good. Man, that's so good because so many people, man, sometimes I have conversations with people and you know, maybe it's a real estate. Con. Let's just use a real estate example and we'll tie it back to the main point you're making here. They're telling me some sort of limiting belief, like, oh, I don't have time to call or whatever it is, insert the blank objection. And, you know, it's not that they don't have the time. It's just that they don't believe that they're good enough to probably do the work that would they would need to do in order to have the success. And now as I'm thinking about this, like it all really ties back to maybe when they were younger or definitely when they were younger, they had some sort of standard they might have been held to that was a false standard from their parents who maybe had it from their parents. And that one belief, Brad, has ripple affected and compounded in their life to where now they're trying to make a career out of real estate investing. And that one stupid belief of you're not good enough or this doesn't work or whatever the hell they were told is literally costing them potentially millions of dollars a year in net income, right? Just from one bad belief, dude. Think about Greg, it. Greg, Crazy. every, literally everything, maybe not, maybe 99.8% can be traced back to childhood programming. Why do people procrastinate? Fear of failure. If they do something and they fail, then, oh, see, they're right. My subconscious was right. You are not good enough. Why are people perfectionists? There's only one reason people are perfectionists. They're trying to prove something. They've got to be perfect because their subconscious mind is telling them you're not good enough because whatever your parents or caregivers told you, you believe you're not good enough. So I've got to be a perfectionist. It's what drove me to make millions of dollars, but it also cost me millions of dollars in mistakes trying to ch chase my worth. So now I've switched from trying to make a bunch of money to prove my worth to now I'm, I'm making an impact. And we're going to have the best year ever at Express Home Buyers. Brad Chandler Coaching is the first company I've ever started. And I started I started selling blow pops when I was in seventh grade. It's the first company I've ever started where I didn't say how much money I can make. My thinking every single day is how can I make a bigger impact? How can I make my clients more successful? How can I make sure that my clients are successful, happy, and free the rest of their life? 
And if when we talk again on this podcast, hopefully it won't be another four years, but let's just say it's four years. I bet you you're going to ask me the question, how have you done financially? And I might tell you that I, I've, I've done way better financially in this coaching business than I didn't ever did in real estate. And I've made millions in real estate. Why? Because I'm doing it to make an impact in helping people. I'm not doing it to prove my worth to make a bunch of money. Dude, that is so good. And that it's, it's, it's so great that you're saying that, especially in the business that you and I are in and the, the, the friends that we have and the circles that we run around in. Like everyone is just constantly pounding their chest. Everyone's like, oh, I got to do more deals. I got to do more deals. Because why? of belief. It's a lie. Yes. Yes. It's a lie. Yeah, it's man. A lie. And it's, it's what cost them their marriages because they're working constantly to try to prove themselves. And they're saying, you know what? If I go home, I'm not going to make any money. I'm already married. So if I can just make another million bucks here, who cares? I'll be worthy. Yeah. I, it's all It's all unconscious. That's the thing. You don't know you're doing it. I didn't wake up every day. I didn't go. I bought a 42-foot boat. <laughs> didn't didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I'm going to take it to the Bahamas. 60 days after buying a boat, never owned a boat in my life, I'm taking it to the Bahamas. I didn't know why I was doing it. Now yeah. I look back and it was like, well, I'm going to be able to put all these videos on social media. I'm going to be able to show the world. It was an unconscious thing. So if you're sitting here saying, well, I'm like two years ago, if you'd asked me, did I have self-love? Yeah, I have self-love. You'd ask me, did I care about what people thought? I'd be, no, I don't care. But that was a lie. So what you do is you ask the, the results. What's the result of your life? So if you're listening right now and you're like, well, I have self-love and I don't, I, I, that, that's, I don't have those beliefs. Okay, let me ask you some questions. What do your relationships look like? Do you have a deep, are you in a deeply connected relationship? And if you say to yourself right now, yes, go home tonight and ask your partner the same exact question and see if you get the same answer. Or have you been from one bad relationship to the next? That's a huge marker. Two, do you have self-destructive behaviors? Do you smoke pot all the time? Do you come home and drink two glasses of wine? Do you eat to, to, you know, to, to the point that you're overweight? Do you gamble? Do you look at porn all the time? Do you shop all the time? Self-destructive behavior is an another sign of lacking self-love. Do you judge people all the time? Do you judge yourself? Are you stressed a lot? Those are just some of the markers that I could go on and on and on and on and on that show you that you may think you love yourself, but you don't. And if you can answer those questions in an affirmative way that you don't have self-love, let me tell you, it's not just affecting one area of your life. It's affecting your health. It's affecting your relationships. It's affecting your business. And most importantly, if you have kids, it's 100% affecting your kids, no matter what, how great of a parent you think you are, and you show up to every sporting game and you give them hugs and kisses. If you feel unworthy about yourself, you are definitely pushing shit down to your child. And then that's just going to ripple off onto them and become a belief they have that they're going to have to solve in later years. What do we do? We we're an unwhole person. We we're, we're born whole. We become unwhole through our parents and caregivers. We then go marry another unwhole person. We have unwhole offspring and it goes over and over and over again. So the greatest gift you can ever give your child, because they didn't ask to be brought into this world. You brought them into this world, right? The greatest gift you can give your child is to break the multi-generational curse that you're involved in and that I was involved in. So that's what I'm doing with my kids right now. I am trying to undo the damage that I did to them and that their mother did to them over the years. Fortunately, they're 15 and 20 and they're going to be great. Like they have all the tools and now they just have to use their tools, right? But had I not gone through this transformation, had my son not had anxiety, it's just weird how things work. So my, so I created and my, my his mother created the anxiety in, in him. So he came, I tried to get him help and in getting him help, I got help for myself. And now because of my son, I'm able to help, th hopefully help thousands or millions of people. 
Dude, just it's amazing. The universe and God doing its thing. Right? What do they say? Tony Robbins says, his life happens for you, not to you. Right there. You know, and ironically, you got the uh, the water in your hand right now, just staying hydrated and, and you know, not having to have a beer on the podcast. You know, you're you're supplementing that with water. Um, man, it's this stuff is so powerful. And there's just so many there's just so much junk in people's heads. And, you know, people a lot of the times and I, I, I fall guilty of this a little bit, but I try to always catch myself. People, when they have like a bad thought, like they feel like there's nothing they can do to solve it. Like, Oh, this is just who I am. Or like they tell themselves stupid shit. And they're just, they like put themselves in this mental prison. And I've, I've always just tried my best, you know, no one's perfect here, but like to, to, to say like, why am I thinking this thought? What's making me think this way? And then another thing, Brad, I've found, I'm sure you could agree with this and you probably do this is I always try to just reflect and, and divert back to gratitude. Like I heard a quote one time. It's like, you can't be like fearful and, and grateful at the same time. And if you just lead with gratitude, everything else will take care of it. Are you a real estate investor who wants to get to the next level? Well, my name is Greg Helbeck, And over the last five years, I have bought and sold well over 125 houses. And I have learned a ton of stuff. And I've made a lot of mistakes. And hopefully, as they say, a wise man learns from someone else's mistakes. So if you are a real estate investor and you want to learn how to get to the next level, you might be a good fit for my coaching program. So if you're interested in finding out if my coaching program could be a fit for you, head over to bookacallwithgreg.com. On that website, you're going to be able to simply book a call with me absolutely free for 15 minutes. And I'm basically going to see how I can best help you, right? I'm not going to high pressure sell you. It's going to be none of that whatsoever. It's going to be a very helpful call. We're going to have a 15 minute conversation. I'm going to ask you some questions about where you're at and where you want to get to. And if you think it's a fit to potentially work with me as a coaching client, I'd love to offer the opportunity to work with you. And if it's not a fit for some reason, no big deal. That 15-minute call is going to be super, super helpful. I'm going to give you some good pointers so I can help you, you know, get your business to the next level. There's two types of people I work with. The first person is the person who's brand new. They might not have ever done a deal before, and they really want to learn step-by-step step how they can get their first deal, right? That's the first person. The second person I work with is someone who might have done some deals. Maybe they have you know a deal every other month coming in, or they just have inconsistent income, and they really want to learn sales and marketing strategies so they can consistently get two, three, four, five deals a month in a formulaic way. So those are the two people I work with. If that sounds like you, I'd love to hop on the phone with you for 15 minutes, see if you're a good fit for our coaching program. Go to bookacallwithgreg.com and sign up for a free consultation today. So how do you incorporate like gratitude into your life now? Because obviously you've made some substantial change, bro. Well, let me hit let me hit on something else that you said, um, the, the identifying the thoughts and how people are saying they're stuck. So I, I developed this thing. If you go to bradchandler.com forward slash tracker, you can download it. And it, at the top of it has specific instructions. And it's basically like anytime that you feel upset inside your body, that's your, your mind's internal alarm system. It's an opportunity for you to recognize, hey, something isn't right. If you walk into a crowded bar, you, you walk in somewhere and you feel something bad, then there's something wrong internally that you need to do. So if, if it's walking to a bar or your spouse says something, your partner says something, I, this says it right at the top of the tracker. You can go, to, like I said, go to bradchannel.com forward slash tracker. Pause. So you don't fire back. You pause for a second. You identify the emotion by saying, I am feeling. Because if you say, I am mad, that's an identification. And, th and those last forever, pretty much. A feeling comes and goes. So you start by saying, I am feeling sad. I'm feeling mad. Then 
you give yourself compassion for feeling that because as a child, most of us didn't have compassion for our feelings. So you say, okay, Brad, it's all right that you feel sad because really it's a six-year-old Brad inside that feels sad. It's not the 49-year-old. So you give yourself compassion. And then what you said, you try to figure out where it came from. And then if you have a really good relationship where you're growing, you say to your spouse or partner, hey, this action in you, it's not your fault, just caused me to feel this way. Would you help me explore it? And then when you're done with that, because because this is how my new relationships work and the new Brad, my new intimate relationships, is you come away with a better understanding of yourself, more connected to yourself, but more connected to the person who created it because you've now talked through it. Mm. So. So the, 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 there's literally science around this, that when you get into most people spend 75% of their time in a fight or flight mode as a business owner, if you're being chased by a tiger, how strategically can you, can you think you can think, how can you write copy for that postcard? How can you review whatever it is you can't? So by identifying the emotion, they did the study at uh, UCLA where they got their participants and they showed people with the different emotions and they said, oh, they feel angry. As soon as they said the anger part, or excuse me, as soon as they saw the picture, it triggered their monkey brain, their fight or flight. They then a second later asked them, what is it that, they're, that, that you see? And when they said, I see them being mad, it flipped from their from their fight or flight brain to their thinking brain, and it got them out of the fight or flight. So the hack that I just gave you works really, really well on so many levels. Dude, so, that's golden, bro. You got that was, you are loaded with knowledge, bro. Dude, dude I mean, that's all I do. Like, I stopped watching sport, sports in the, like this. I've got a stack of books this high. You can't see them next to me, like a foot high. It's all I do. I've studied under some of the world's best. But getting back to the gratitude thing, um, dude, I'm constantly like, I go to bed at night, I, I write uh, five things that I was grateful for. And then three good things that happened to me. I write those in the morning. And if I skip in writing, I'm talking about them. I am constantly grateful in the, the thing that you said earlier about life happening for you and not to you. Nothing bad happens to me in my life anymore. Because how do I know if it's bad? My, my second wife walked out on me 30 days into COVID. She's like, I'm done packed up the house, took literally put up a moving truck. I was on vacation seven days later, gone, right? And I'm like, that is terrible. Well, now looking back years later, I'm like, that was one of the most pivotal things that happened to me in my life. So I get in a car accident. I haven't been in a car accident, but let's say I get in a car accident, you know, going to the gym tonight. Do you think I'm going to be like, this is terrible? No, I'm going to be like, all right, this happened for a reason. Maybe I'm going to meet someone at the car at the car repair place that I'm going to save them from committing suicide. Or maybe the maybe the car accident saved me from getting run over by a tractor trailer 10 minutes later. You never know. So life is going to happen to you whether or not you're pissed off or happy. So why don't you just let the universe do its thing and just be happy? Dude. It's so true, man. It's it, it, you, what you're doing now is something that I I tell people a lot. It's reframing your scenario. It's being able to reframe something. I actually learned this ironically from John Martinez and John Martinez in a sales scenario. But obviously, I do it in other things. Like you said, like you know, maybe you've got a fender bender or whatever, and it's like that fender bender caused you to meet someone at the repair shop. And you change their life. It's like anything, like things like that. Like you can reframe stuff. Like I this happens a lot. If some nut job, I mean, I'm in New York right now. There's a bunch of crazy people on the road. If someone cuts me off, instead of me being like, oh, what a jerk. They cut me off. Everyone here is an idiot. It's like, what if that guy's going to watch the birth of his son and he happened yeah. to be in a rush? It's like, that'll change your entire freaking perception on it. So you're not like, oh, everyone here is an asshole. And then that belief becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And then, like you said, you trap yourself in a prison and you're screwed. So so someone cuts, someone cuts off the average person. 
Yeah. That person gets so angry because they're, and they start yelling and honking. There's road rage. Who is the driver of the car that got cut off really angry at? It's projection. They're angry with themselves because (laughs) if you've got inner peace and inner inner love, like I do, someone can yell at me. They can flip me off because it's happened. And I kind of chuckle. And then I go into this mode of compassion. I'm like, God, they must be really hurting. And let me tell you, it's such a better way to live life than going around like pissed off, looking for everything that that is wrong and could piss you off. I agree. Here's a good, you're going to like this story because it's a real estate one, but I, I, the, the, the new Greg will call it handled it like a champ. So this is a good, this was actually recent. The deal actually just closed the other day. So my acquisitions guy locks up this monster in Delaware in, where is it? Newark, Delaware on Claremont drive, East Claremont drive. We lock the house up. He goes to the house. He doesn't get the contract. He calls me. I told him exactly what to do. I'm like, listen, go back to the property. Pretend like you forgot to see the attic. Just make up an excuse to get it. It was right down the house from where he lives. Go back in there on your way out the door. Say, hey, I know we were supposed to talk Thursday, but hey, I'm already here. Let's try to see if we can make a deal. He sits down, does exactly what I say. He gets the contract signed at a smoking price, smoking price. I send it out to the list because I still do that in the business. We sell the property for 10 grand more than what we were wanting to get. So great deal. Good assignment fee. And I'm on a Zoom call like this. This is the next day, I think. He's calling me and I told him, like, I can't take this call right now, bro. I'm on a call. There's a bunch of people on here. I cannot take. He's like, dude, you got to call me. We're in a serious problem. He's freaking out, freaking out. And I end my Zoom call I have like an hour later. Hey, what's going on, Brett? How you doing, buddy? He's like, dude, someone on your email list. They took an email and they sent it to the seller and the seller's freaking out and I don't know what to do. And he's like running around with his hair on fire. And I'm like, listen, man, that sucks, but we're going to solve this problem with gratitude. We're going to be able to come up with a solution. Don't worry about it, bro. It's all good. So that was step number one. Long story short, I end up call, personally calling the seller who I do not know from Adam, talked him off the ledge, talked to this other investor who tried to snake us because he took the email and sent it to the seller and the seller got pissed because we're making money on it. The whole thing solved itself with gratitude, compassion, empathy. We got the deal to close. And the oh, I'll tell you what. So that it ended up working out because I was calm and grateful and tried to reframe the whole conversation. This is happening for us, Brett, not to us. This is going to be a good lesson to learn. The old Greg, Brad, this is if this was two years ago, the New Yorker out of me would have called the investor screaming like an absolute lunatic. I would have threatened a lawsuit. I would have sent a list pendants to the county recorder. I would have tried to file a memorandum of whatever the hell you call it. And I would have just, the seller, you're not getting this contract. And the whole deal would have died, would have been in a lawsuit. But because I was able to reframe that relatively stressful scenario, I mean, to me, I didn't really care, but it is what it is. I taught him the lesson and we were able to solve the problem and end on a good note, right? But it's all about how you perceive things and how you go about it in a nice, reasonable way. And still get what you want. And in this case, we're still buying the house. But, you know, it's just uh, taking this stuff and putting it into action. You know, it's uh, it's good to do. And it just makes the process go by easier, you know? It, it, it's really just, yeah, that's a great, um, gr- great example. It's, it's really yeah. just living in the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all suffer. It's all self-inflicted. And we suffer because we don't live in the truth. And what does that mean? Yeah. It means that if you believe you're not a lo- enough and you're not lovable and you're not this and you're not that, it's all just a lie. So Mm -hmm. anytime you're struggling, just ask yourself, is this the truth? And the truth is you are enough and you always will be enough. So that's it. Like just very simple. Happiness is being present and and just living in the truth. 
Oh man, it's so true, man. Have you ever heard of the book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It? I have not. It's a good book. I think this guy, something, something Ravikant wrote it. I read it a couple years ago. It was good. You'd like the book. It's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. It's a short book. It's easy to read, but uh, you got to be grateful. You got to be able to reframe stuff. And Brad, man, I just got to say, as we start to wind the show up here, man, the transformation you've made is is unbelievable. And I'm so excited to see what you're going to do with your coaching business and you know the amount of impact you're going to make. And it's just going to be amazing, man. Because I've seen what you've done with Express. You've been a legend in our business forever, man. Like Brad, it, you hear the word Brad Chandler. Like, oh man, Brad Chandler with the big business. But now you still got the big business, but you got the meaningful, impactful coaching business. And I'm so excited to see how many people you're going to help. And I'm excited for you to write your own book eventually, because I'm, I'm sure you'll probably do that. I, I do. I'm, I have plans to write write a book for sure. That's amazing, man. Well, I'm really excited to see what you got going. I'm so happy we got to get you on the show here. So if people are listening to this and they want to get in touch with you, maybe they want to work with you on a, on a coaching basis or they want to check your site out, like how can people get connected to you? And uh, let's give them some websites to go to. Yeah. So bradchandler.com is my site and you can uh, go there and book a call. I'll do a three thirty uh, free 30 minute call with you. I do social media posts every single day. Most oh, I see them, bro. videos on happiness and freedom and how to live your best life. I'm really getting some traction there. So please go follow me on social media. I'm on, I'm on literally every single platform under the sun. And if you go to bradchandler.com forward slash contact, that has, it's a link tree with all of my links that you can book a call there. You can watch my four minute story video. You, you can, you know, subscribe to all my, all my channels. And yeah, I mean, you just have to know the truth. Remember we focus on the truth. I'm a truth seeker and a truth teller, and it's not always easy, but the truth is what you got to move through the pain of the truth to get to freedom. You don't have to suffer. If you're suffering in any way, shape, or form, you don't have to suffer. There is a better way. I've created this proven mechanism over the last, proven process over the last two years that works really well. If number one, you really want to change, and two, you have a willingness to look at things from a different perspective, your life can radically change in a matter of hours, not years or months like traditional therapy. Because again, we go into the subconscious mind and figure out what is really driving all of this behavior that's, that's not serving you. Man, that's... So well said. Quick question on the therapy thing, because I've heard this before, because is therapy more geared towards the past and like coaching slash instruction more geared towards the future? Or is that not accurate? So I think most therapy, first of all, most therapy is done on a conscious level and your conscious your conscious mind is not driving your behavior. It's all done from your unconscious. So there's strike one. Um, a lot of therapy focuses on the symptoms, like what what's going on? You're drinking too much. Let, let, let's get you, let, let's, let's come up with ways to have you stop drinking. Let's not go by the liquor store. Let's, let's whatever, whatever, lock the liquor cabinet, whatever it is. But you've got to go to, whether you have a neck pain or you have mental pain, You've got to go to the source of the pain. So what we do is we go right to the place that has, has created that pain for you as a child, most likely, and then we turn that around. You got to go to the root to get the fruit, as they say. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Brad. Well, listen, man, we'll have people reach out to you, bradchandler.com. They can book a call with you. And I appreciate you being a guest. Uh, Brad Chandler 2.0 officially has been on the podcast. Yes. So uh, we'll talk to you soon, Brad. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, man.
Thank you for listening to an episode of the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I hope you got a lot of value from this specific episode. And there are a few takeaways that you're able to gather from this to implement in your business so you can be a more successful real estate investor. So if you did get value from the show, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. That's how we keep growing the show and getting great guests is because people see the reviews. They see that we have a high quality show and they want to contribute as a guest. So that would be great. Also, if you got value, if you could share the show on social media, that would be great because that is how people see this besides the reviews. So once again, if you did get value, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes and share the show on social media, it would really mean a lot to me and I'll see you on the next episode.